So this is the last in our series of thoughts uh, regarding understanding the principles of God's fixed laws. I know it's a massive mouthful of a title, but these thoughts that we've been looking at have been so, I believe, so important as we journey in our walk with God and our understanding. Why are these so important? Because they are, they are an unchangeable law that God set in motion from day one. It was that moment when God spoke and that, that law will continue to the day this earth finishes. And I, I want to read it again from Genesis chapter 8 because we can see for ourselves, this is what the Bible says. This is not my opinion or, or what I'm saying. This is the Bible. Uh, and the Bible is a timeless book. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will remain forever. Genesis chapter 8 verse 22 says this, While the earth remains, seed, time, and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. That's God's word. He then, a little later, um, reaffirmed it. He said right at the beginning in Genesis chapter 1, he talked about the seed is in the is in the the seed is in the growth of the plant and that it will produce after its own kind it's all there we've seen it over the last couple of weeks and the reason it's so important that we get this is because it's an unchangeable law therefore whatever you do or whatever you say or however you behave there is the law the world would say say what goes around comes around. Well, that's not a biblical translation. That's a worldly saying of a biblical truth. The world would say what goes around comes around. What the Bible says is what a man sows, that will he also reap. It is a timeless word in our life. You as an individual are sowing seeds every moment of every day with what you say, what you think which lands in your heart and how you respond and connect to people around you. We are constantly sowing seeds, seeds of friendship, seeds of, of finance. Seeds are going out of your life. They're going into different grounds. And at some point, harvest will come in the journey of your life. So this is what we saw. Week one, we looked at sowing and reaping in the light of creation and the unchangeable law. Week two, we looked at sowing and reaping and how we can see a harvest of souls as we sow the good news seeds into the ground of people's hearts and eventually we could see the harvest come to fruition. In week three, we looked at sowing and reaping in our giving. That when we give, we give a seed a financial. You don't give me tomato seeds and we hope they grow in the money. You give a financial seed and there is a harvest and that we determine the harvest. It's not God that determines the harvest. Whatsoever a man sows, the amount that we sow determines the amount that we get back. It's a principle in God's word. Week four, we looked at sowing and reaping in two specific fields of life, sowing to the flesh or sowing to the spirit. And I've had such a good response from people who said that was so helpful in their journey. Today, we're going to complete our thoughts by looking at this. The seed, the seed of multiplication. Because this ties a whole lot of thoughts together and it will determine how we live in life moving forward. This is how important today is. Every farmer knows this to be a truth. The investment that we make will always come back bigger or greater in measure than what we sowed. 
A farmer doesn't take his seed, put it into the ground, and hope he gets a plant of return. He puts a seed in the ground knowing that from that plant will come a harvest of seed. So that the, the next thing he plants would be a field of seeds, not just one seed into the ground. A farmer knows that as his principle. Consider this. A single grain of wheat will never become more than a single grain of wheat unless it goes into the ground and dies. All the time you've got a single grain of wheat, it is a single grain of wheat. You may look at it and say, oh, I want a harvest. Looking at it is not going to make it grow. It is not until you take that single grain and you put it in the ground and it grows and it comes up as, as, as that plant that you then have the potential of harvest because of the many other seeds that are in it. And this is what the Word of God is trying to teach us. Pot the potential for every single one of us is in the seed. The potential of your life is in the seed of who you are. The DNA and makeup of who you are. The seed that came from your parents, the seed in your life produces potential in every one of us. Here, we see the, the seeds that are sown, the words from our teachers, the words from our workmates, the words, the, the words from our peers will all land in the ground of our heart. The Bible is very, very clearly speaks that the, the, the ground is the heart of a person. And we're always receiving seed. Now, that seed can be good, it can be bad, and sometimes it can be ugly. You know, in the middle of an argument with your husband or wife and you say something you wish you hadn't, bad seed lands in the ground of your heart. What neutralizes that is forgiveness and being able to deal with the thought or the seed or the words and you deal with your heart issues and then you can walk in a healthy relationship. But I want to take us right back to the beginning because this is so, so important Back to the beginning of Adam and Eve. Because at that moment where Adam and Eve fell, they sinned, and they, they at that moment fell from grace in an act of disobedience and high treason. They turned their back on God. God had said, these are the good things. These are the way in which you should live. This is how you live life well. And they chose to disobey and do the very thing that God said don't do. They sowed negative seed into their life. The very first thing that you see that happens next is God starts speaking about seed. He starts to speak about seed in a, in a singular sense. And I want this, this is, to me, this is so, so important because the singular seed that he speaks of was going to reverse the consequences of sin. This is what he says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. You shall bruise, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Mankind sinned and fell from the grace of God and the first thing that you hear God speaking is seed. Why? Because we are born in sin and we are shapen in iniquity. We are born separated from God. But there had to be one that would come, as it speaks of here, one being the seed that would come and reverse the consequences of what sin brought to the earth. 
The harvest that followed when Adam and Eve fell, the harvest that followed was a world full of depravity, perversion, wickedness, uh, and corruption, and self-centeredness. All those things we still see, us, see around us today. That is the harvest of Adam and Eve's mistake in the Garden of Eden. In, in Garden of Eden. We're still seeing the harvest of what took place through that act of disobedience back then. What did they say? We can live our lives in the absence of God. We can do it our way. We want to do what we want to do. And they chose to go down that path. But God had a plan. You see that immediately. He's saying, I have a seed that's coming. That's going to turn this situation around. See, God from the very beginning had a plan to redeem mankind. To buy back, to purchase, to take back what the enemy had stolen. God had a plan to deal with the evil corruption that was in this world. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. It says this, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he may be the firstborn among many brethren. Now, this is, this is the Word of God speaking about who Jesus was, who Jesus came to be. He came to be the firstborn. He came to be the seed that was to be going into the ground. He was to be the one who was going to redeem mankind. He had to be there first as the firstborn among many brethren, amongst many men and women that would turn to him, look to him as the, as the one who would come and redeem mankind from their sin. He was the firstborn among many brethren, ladies included. You know, to be politically correct, he was the firstborn among many humanoids. <laughs> Doesn't quite ring the same, but there we go. That's exactly what he came to be. The firstborn, the first seed in the ground, the first one. So we've got to consider if Jesus came to redeem mankind and he was the seed that went into the ground, what consequence did his death, his burial and his resurrection, his life on earth, what, why did he come? What did he achieve and what does that mean for me? See, everybody, everybody in this room at some point has got to come to the conclusion, what does this mean to me? You know, I know that Jesus is a historic, historic figure. We know that history books written in Rome in AD, early AD, were written knowing that there was a man who walked the earth, who was doing mighty works that God, only God could have done through him. You know, and, and, and that's before we had the, the written word of God. Historians were writing these things down. We don't see that in history books today. You don't see it in the schools aren't teaching their kids that. But you go back to the historians of Rome, they were writing it. It's amazing what they try and get rid of when they don't like what's being written. You know, there are people who are trying to get rid of um, the Holocaust because they don't like that as part of history. No, it is part of history. It's a horrendous part of history. It will always be there as part of history. Unless we forget, we should never forget. It is so important that we know why he came for me. 
Not, not why he came for Romeo, not why he came for Archie, not why he came for her. Why did he come for me? And, and I want us to read from the Gospel of John. John chapter 12. This begins to piece it together. In John, 10, uh, John 12 verse 20, it says this. And there were a number of foreigners from among the nations who were worshippers at the feast. They went to Philip, who came to, from, from the village of Bethsaida in Galilee, and they asked him, would you take us to see Jesus? We want to see him. So Philip went to find Andrew, and they both went to inform Jesus. Then Jesus replied to them, now is the time for the Son of Man to be glorified. It's interesting that he, he, he knew the moment. He, he, you know, these guys just wanted to come and see him. But he knew the moment that was taking place. And he says this, Jesus says, let me be clear. Let me make this clear. A single grain of wheat will never be more than a single grain of wheat unless it drops to the ground, um, unless it drops into the ground and dies. Because then it sprouts and produces a great harvest of wheat, all because one grain died. You know, this, this to me is, as I've studied through over these last five weeks on how many scriptures there are on sowing and reaping, how many scriptures it talks about, what the seed that goes into the ground and how it produces a harvest in our life, what seeds we're allowing. Here he says, I am that single grain of wheat. It's me. This is what the word of God is talking about. This is who I am. The one grain, it's me. And within days of this moment, you know, he's just gone in for the triumphant entry and everyone's singing, singing Hosanna to the son of David. They just had this wonderful moment. But we know a few days later, they're crying out, Crucif- crucify him, crucify him. It's incredible the change of heart in people. Let's never be torn and blown by every wind and doctrine that comes. Let's be focused like Jesus was, like Flint for the things of God in our life. And he says, unless this wheat, unless this one grain goes into the ground, it remains as one wheat. But hey, if I go into the ground, there comes a harvest after me. There comes a harvest. He had to be the firstborn among many brethren. That was Jesus in our life. See, if you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are the harvest. You, right now, are the harvest of Jesus. Because if he didn't die, we could never be redeemed. We could never be brought into the family of God. We could never be connected back to God. But because he did die, I can face tomorrow. I can look him in the eye and know that I am his and he is mine. That is just the harvest of what he's done for you and I. In verse 12, it carries on. Uh, chapter 12, uh, verse 25, it carries on. He says, the person who loves his life and pampers himself will miss true life. If you're looking for an easy life, if you're looking about doing life just to please you, you've missed the whole point. You've missed it completely. But the one who detaches his life from this world 
How much of this world has still got a grip on you? How much of the things of this world still cloud out God in your life? Is he centre? Is he centre to your life? Is he centre to your time? Is he centre to your family? Is he centre to your work world? Is is he centre? But the one who detaches his life from this world and abandons himself to me will find true life and enjoy it forever. Come on, church, this is the key to our Christianity. This is our key. You know, otherwise, we're, we're, we're just doing mundane Christian Christianity. We're, we're just being religious. We're just attending church. It's about detaching yourself from the things of this world. We're in the world, but we're not meant to be of the world. We're not meant to allow the world to attach itself to our life. We're in it, but we live different to it. For you and I to have received the new birth, spiritual salvation needed to take place. You know, this is the great mystery. That we were dead in sin. When you were born, you were dead in sin. What does dead mean? Now, we think, you know, that moment when you breathe your last and you're put in a box and put in the grave. But for Adam, he died, but he still lived. When we're born in sin, it means we have, we're dead to our relationship with God. There's a separation. There's a gulf. There's no connection. That's the deadness the Bible was talking about. We were born in sin and shapen in iniquity. We were walking out of relationship with God. But Jesus said, that's not good enough. I'm going to be the grain of wheat that goes into the ground so that I can bring forth a harvest of those who believe me. This is the spiritual truth that Nicodemus, the ruler of the synagogue, the ruler of the Jews, he couldn't get his head around it. And he went to Jesus secretly. The religious don't get what being born again really looks like. The world doesn't understand what being born again really looks like. Nicodemus, he didn't get it. And he went to Jesus in the darkness and said, what must I do to be saved? What do you mean? I have to enter into my mother's womb again? You have to be born again? What what does this all mean? He couldn't get his head around this spiritual truth. And Jesus said, what is born of water is the natural. And what is born of the spirit is spirit. You know, we've all been born of the natural, of water. We've been born that way. But have we been born on the, on the inside, the spiritual connection to God? Have we come alive on the inside where for me to live is Christ and to die is great, great gain because I'll be with him forever? These are the things that mark the difference between a disciple and someone who attends church. And I believe it's so important that we get this truth. It's a spiritual truth. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20, it says this, But the truth is, I love the way this starts, But the truth is, Christ is risen from the dead. What a good news that is. You know, every one of us needs to hear that. Yes, he died for you, but he is also risen for you and lives to make intercession. But the truth is, Christ is risen from the dead. As the first fruit 
of a great resurrection harvest of those who have died. For since death came through a man, singular, Adam, it is fitting that the resurrection of the dead has also come through a man, singular, Christ. Even as all who are in Adam die, so also all who are in Christ will be made alive. The key here is we have to be found in Christ. We must have received him as our personal Lord and Saviour. I can't, I can't get saved because my mum was saved. I, I, I'm not in, I wasn't in church because my parents were in church. I was for a few years. Then I got big enough and ugly enough to do my own rubbish stuff and made a complete and utter mess of my life. But God still had his hand upon my life. And he pulled me out of darkness and he brought me into the kingdom of his light. And it's, and it's this moment, oh yeah, we can live, we can walk. And you may have been living the Adam life for years. The Adam existence, doing things your way, how you want to, the way in which you desire. It's the Adam life. There's a hole, there's a God-shaped hole that will never get filled, never be satisfied, never be complete without him. And that moment when you fall to your knees or you acknowledge Jesus as Lord and Savior, all of a sudden an incredible sense of peace floods your heart. An incredible security of love and peace in your mind when God becomes real to you. When God becomes real to your journey. That moment when old things are passed away. Behold all things in you. When the slate that was against you, all the requirements that were against you, every accusation that was against you has now been dealt with because Jesus took it on the cross. And the weight of sin has been relieved from your life. There is nothing quite like it. And it will cause you to live an abandoned, detached life from this world and live full on for God with all your heart. And I believe that's what distinguishes a disciple from someone who just acknowledges that God is real. There is a transformation. There is a a life to be lived that is so exciting. And he carries on here in verse 22. Let me read it from verse 22. Even as all who are in Adam die, so also all who are in Christ will be made alive. But each one in his proper order, Christ, the first fruit, then those who belong to Christ in his presence. There is going to come a time when, yes, we were born in the likeness of Adam. Therefore, this flesh, unless Jesus comes back again, this flesh will give up. It will be put into the grave. But I tell you what, nothing separates us from God. Neither life nor death nor principality, or power, or things present, or things to come, nor this age, or in the age to come. Nothing will separate us from the love of God. Why? Because we live in for him, and we've received him in our life. Jesus is the incorruptible seed. And he was the answer for God's redeeming your life. You know, for you, Stuart, for you, he did it. I just, Marius, in your life, he did it. 
Rob, God sent his son into the world to die on your behalf. Mishka, you're still with us, did it for you. But he did it for everyone in this room. Every single one of us. He was the seed that needed to grow into the, go into the ground first so that you would be his harvest. Jesus lived on this planet physically for 33 and a half years. He performed signs, wonders, and miracles. He astounded the teachers of the law. He gave of himself to those who were in need. He was tried for crimes he didn't commit. He was sentenced to a death he should never have experienced. He was nailed to a wooden cross he should never endured. He died for the sins that he never committed. But he took them for me and you. Unless a grain of wheat goes into the ground, it remains alone. But if that seed goes into the ground, it will bring forth a harvest. And I want us, as we close this morning, to consider this thought. Because to me, this is mind-blowing. We know that every seed produces after its own kind. If you sow tomatoes, what are you going to get? Tomatoes. Tomatoes. If you sow cabbages, you're going to get? Cabbages. We are all in agreement with this, aren't we? If you sow, if you sow um, peas, you're going to get? Peas. So we are all in agreement. Whatever a man sows, that will he reap. This is where it gets so exciting. If that's the case, then the seed that Jesus became has produced in us Christ-like ones. Isn't that true? If he was the seed that went into the ground, then the harvest has to be produced after the same kind. Christ died for the ungodly, And now we are Christ-like ones, or Christians. Therefore, it takes it to a new level. It gets, gets even more exciting. The seed that Jesus became has produced the harvest of Christ-like ones. Therefore, are we living our Christian life according to the spiritual DNA of the Christ seed? That is the true nature of God in us. There's the challenge. Are we living according to the spiritual DNA placed in us? You have Christ-like, no, not Christ-like, you have Christ seed, and you're the harvest of that seed. He said, you have authority. Now go in my name. It's not like authority. It's not similar authority. The authority that Jesus had, he's given to you. He said, signs, wonders and miracles will you do in my name. He's given us his name. He's given us his DNA. The the Godhead lives and abides within. We've got to examine 
the seed? What seed, what are we allowing weeds in our life that is crowding out the seed? That's a, that's a, that's a very real thought in our life. Are there weeds, sin issues, hurts, heartaches? Are there things called weeds that we're allowing in our life that is crowding out the seed of Christ? Because if there are, let's pull them up. Let's deal with them. Let's get the weed killer out. Let's get the word of God out. Let's get the spirit of the living God into action. And let's deal with the weeds that are killing or not allowing the seed of Christ in us. Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is life transforming stuff. When you go into work tomorrow or when you go into the shop this afternoon or whatever it is you're going to do, no wonder the word says that we walk on this earth like one Christ Jesus. Because we are like the one Christ Jesus. We manifest his life. We are salt and light on the earth. Apply, we just need to apply this in our everyday world. Am I? If you saw, I guess, let's let's bring it to a complete natural. If you saw a photograph of me and my dad, you would be able to see a likeness of father and son. If you bring up my children, each of them, you would notice that there are similarities um, between us two Why? Because they are of our seed. When heaven looks at your life, he sees Christ in you. See, this is is where it gets so excited. It's Christ in you. The spiritual truth is, (laughs) it's Christ in you. the, The DNA of who you are is Christ in you in you the seed in which you've got born again is christ in you oh how we look to the flesh when we should actually be looking to the spirit so can i encourage you this week let's no longer know each other according to the flesh but according to the spirit You actually start piecing this together with the scripture. You go through the book of Ephesians and you see in in Ephesians, it speaks about in him, in whom, in Christ. I think it's 56 times in just five, six short chapters of the book of Ephesians. Why? Because that is our new identity. It is your identity. It is your true identity. And when we live according to our true identity, the circumstances of life around us will completely change. Are we living our Christian lives according to the spiritual DNA of the Christ seed, which is the true nature of God in us? I'm going to finish there. I'm just going to pray this morning like we do, do most weeks. You may be here today. You may be a visitor. Great. We've got a couple of things we'd like to pass to you. You may be here today and you've done a journey with us as church and, and you're, you're, you're finding 
that you're beginning to understand a little bit more. And, and today you're saying, I want to make Jesus my Lord and Savior. I want the life that is in the seed that God's given to be in my life too. You may have been brought up in church, but you've never made that decision for you in your life and in your journey. You know whether you have a personal relationship with God. You know whether you've detached yourself from the things of this world and said, no, I'm going to live for God. You know your journey. I want to give you an opportunity today to say, God, if you're real, I trust and believe that you are. Would you come into my heart today? So we're going to pray. We're going to pray nice and loud. Let's help everybody in the room that may be wanting to make this decision to be able to do that decision today as we pray. So pray this after me this morning. Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you for what I've heard today. I acknowledge that you came, that you lived, and that you died for me. I receive that you rose from the dead to empower my life. Jesus, forgive me of my sin, of my past, and of my mistakes. Today, I thank you that you wash me, you cleanse me, and you make me brand new. I receive you, Jesus, as my Lord and Saviour. In Jesus' name, amen. While every head is bowed and every eye closed in this room, this is about you doing business with God. This is about you and your connection with the Most High. I'm going to count to three. While you're considering and contemplating the things that you've heard, I'm going to count to three. And then I'm going to ask you just to pop up your hand and pop it back down. I'm not going to call anybody out the front. I'm not going to embarrass anybody. We've got some information we'd like to pass to you. But today, this is the most important moment of your entire life to this moment. If you prayed that prayer sincerely in your heart this morning, one, two, three. Just pop up your, your hand. If you prayed that sincerely in your heart this morning and you're making Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, is there anybody in this room? You say, yes, count me in. Count me in. Thank you, I'll see your hand. Is there anybody else in this room this morning? You say, yes, this is about me meaning business with God. Is there anybody else in here today? I'm just going to change what I've said a little bit. Is there anybody here today and you're saying, I'm coming back? I'm making a decision to come back. This is, today's my comeback day. I'm going to reconnect, reposition my life before God today. Is there anybody in this room you say, yeah, that's me, count me in. Thank you, I see that hand. Anybody else in this room? Father, this morning we want to thank you for those that are making you their Lord and Savior for the first time. Those that are connecting with you, Lord, and saying, I'm not, I'm not going to continue to live back in the world. And for those in their heart this morning that are saying, Jesus, if that's true and you're the seed and I'm a product of the harvest, I'm going to live for you like I've never lived before. 
Father, I thank you that that speaks to every single heart and every single life in this room. Father, we thank you for the power of your word, the incorruptible seed of the living God. Father, in this room today, I pray for harvest to come forth. Lord, that we would recognize who we are in Christ. I thank you, Lord, that we would recognize the call of God upon our life to do incredible things in this world around us. Father, may your anointing water that seed. Lord, I thank you for the one giving their life to you, the one responding and saying, I'm coming back to you. Father, today may be so significant in their life and in their journey. In Jesus' name, amen.